Hi again everyone and welcome back to UFOs and Other Paranormal Stuff. My name's Andy and I hope you are all doing well this week. Thank you very much for listening to last week's episode about the Wood Boogers. As I said before, I've never heard of the Wood Boogers before, so it was all new to me. Thank you to Deborah Crossley Hatswell too for sending me the report of the Wood Booger sighting. Very interesting indeed. Thank you, Deborah. I'm very happy to see that we have people listening in from across the globe now. People from the USA, UK, obviously, Denmark, Chile, Norway, India, and Russia, to name a few. I'm truly humbled that you take the time to listen in to my podcast. Thank you very much. Terrible weather today, cold, raining, and generally grey. I hope that it is much better where you are, though we are heading into autumn and winter, I suppose. Please don't forget to send in any stories you may have about the paranormal to me at UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. The Twitter handle is at letter U, word and, and OPS. That's at U and OPS on Twitter. Or join me on the Facebook group or the Instagram by typing in UFOs and other paranormal stuff in the search bar. Now we've got a bit of a different show for you today, a ghost story show, as Halloween is just around the corner. I will tell you some stories that have been sent to me of some weird and spooky goings on in different parts of the world. The first one happened on the London Underground. Believe me, that place can be spooky, strange or just weird at the best of times, but towards the end of service, It's a completely different story down there. A young woman had just moved into North London from another part of the United Kingdom. She was enjoying a night out with some new colleagues when she decided that she would start making her way home from the city centre as it was extremely late and she did not want to miss her last train which ran on the Piccadilly Underground Line. She went down to the nearly empty platform and a few minutes later her train rattled into the station. She boarded the carriage and, realising that only one other person, a man, mid-fifties, was sitting in it, reading his newspaper, she sat down near to him and began to read her book. The doors closed and the train rattled out of the station into the deep, dark tunnel of the Piccadilly Underground Line. About 20 minutes later, the train stopped at another station and three more people boarded the carriage in which the woman and the man were sitting. The three new passengers were two young men who were standing either side of a young girl who was possibly around 18 years old. She just looked completely off her head, unconscious. The woman glanced up at them and thought it strange that even though they looked like druggies who were also on their way home, they were standing by the door and not making use of any of the seats that was available to them. A few moments later, the older man opposite lowered his newspaper, looked at the trio, then hid his eyes behind that day's print once again. When the woman lowered her book, he was looking directly at her. Slightly scared by that, she decided to carry on reading her book. The man stood up moved across the carriage and sat down right next to the woman. She continued reading. 
Hello, he said. I thought I recognised you. Blimey, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you? he asked. The woman thought it better just to play along and not antagonise the man. If things went wrong, she may not be able to count on the help of the three other people in the carriage. I'm okay, she replied, surprised to the man she had never seen before. How are you? she said in hope of a long answer. The man looked around and said, Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Busy at work nowadays, you know how it is, he continued. How are your mum and dad doing, are they? He paused. He then leaned in closer to her and said, I want you to get off of the train at the next station with me. The woman, getting a bit more frightened now, decided that getting off of the train soon would be a good idea because, again, if the man tried anything on, on the train, she would be less able to run away and call for help. The pair continued their strange conversation until the train arrived into the next station. They both got off and the woman looked at the druggies as if to say with that look that she needed help. They did not look at her. The girl in the middle still looked unconscious. Once the doors had closed, the man turned to the woman and said, I am sorry you had to get off here, and sorry if I scared you. I am a doctor. He showed her his ID card. The girl that you see standing there is dead. Those two murdered her, and they're holding her up. I, I was worried for your safety. The woman collapsed onto a station bench in shock as it was only when the train pulled out of the station that she could see a pair of scissors stuck hard in the girl's skull. There you go, a shocker from the London Underground there. The second story was told to me when I was in high school in 1993 by a supply teacher. I can't remember him but I can remember the story that he told. It was a cold night out in the countryside of Surrey. A rather nice car was moving along the lonely country road. Inside it, a newly married couple were making their way to a hotel where they were to start their honeymoon. They were so wrapped up in each other, even though he was driving, that they did not notice the fuel running very low. In fact, just seconds later, the car coughed, lurched, and finally came to a stop in the middle of the road. The man got out and managed to push the car to a small lay-by by the side of the road next to a wooded area, and out of harm's way. What are we going to do now? asked the new wife. Don't worry, he said. We passed the petrol station a couple of miles back. I'll take the jerry can and walk back to it and get some petrol. You wait here, but stay inside the car. Keep the doors locked. I won't be long, he said, as he got the jerry can out of the boot of the car. If you have any problems, he went on, go to that building just up on the hill and ask for help, okay? But I won't be long. Do you want a drink or something from the petrol station? No thanks, she said. Just hurry up and be careful. Will do. I'll see you in about 45 minutes. Love you. And with that, off he walked into the darkness. The young woman moved to the comfort and space of the back seats. 
About 20 minutes after the man had left, the young woman found herself looking at the dark woods through the window. It looked creepy, and so she decided to move across the back seat to the other side. She looked up at the building on the hill and thought how weird, creepy and uninviting it looked, even more creepy than the woods, she thought. She really did not want to have to go there for any help at all. The car shook and the branches banged on the roof. Must have been wind, she thought. Another 30 minutes had passed. Where is he? He should be back by now, she said to herself. I bet that petrol station is closed and he's gone to find another one. There was a small bang on the roof of the car. No wind this time, no rustling of the trees, but something did hit the roof of the car. Bang. Another one. Then an another. All three sounded the same, like something hard hitting the metal roof of the car, gently. She noticed a set of headlights approaching and wondered if she should flag them down. But she remembered what her husband had said, don't get out of the car. She noticed how the driver of the passing car suddenly sped up as he got nearer to her car. This happened a couple of times in the following ten minutes. No more bangs, but two cars approached then suddenly sped up as they passed her car. She had forgotten all about the bangs on the roof due to getting ever more worried for the whereabouts of her husband. By this time, nearly an hour and ten minutes had passed and he was nowhere to be seen. Bang! The bang started up again, this time heavier than before. Bang! A second bang on the roof of the car, same as the previous one, heavier than the first three. Two cars approached from different directions, both stopping and their occupants looking in shock above the roof of the car that the woman was sitting in. They both sped off. The woman was getting a bit scared now, especially as when the third bang hit the roof, she started that it was starting to dent. It was definitely not trees banging on the roof now. Strangely, again, the banging stopped after just three bangs. She tried to calm herself and breathe easy, looking through the back window to see if she could see her husband or any help at all. The woman sat and waited. Another 40 minutes passed. She was very tired. It was her wedding day after all, and what with the morning visit to the hairdressers, the dressing, the ceremony, the reception, the wine, the food, the dancing, the wine, the food, the dancing, you get my drift. She was tired. She just wanted to get to the hotel and to a nice, big, soft BANG! The banging had started again, this time extremely hard, making a huge dent in the car's roof. More cars passed, drivers and passengers looking in horror at something on top of the car. They would drive away at dangerous speeds now. However, they were quickly followed by a third car whose driver did the same thing, but instead of speeding off, he drove away at a much calmer speed. The young woman noticed that he seemed to pick up what looked like a mobile phone and start talking. Bang! The second hit made the roof come so low that the woman had to get out of its way. She tried to open the door nearest to the woods, but it was locked. She pulled up the lock, but it was to no use. The door was jammed in place by the dented roof of the car. Bang! The third hit in the sequence 
brought the car's roof down so much that she thought it would now break open, but it didn't. The car shook again. The roof creaked. More lighter bangs at the front of the car's roof. The woman started to notice strange lights. She squeezed herself under the broken roof to the other side of the car, where she realised that the lights she saw weren't strange at all. They were all police car lights. Lots of police car lights. Bang! The banging on the roof continued and started getting more heavier. The police cars pulled up and the officers got out. Some pointed guns above the woman's car. She thought it odd that there was three ambulances and a fire engine there too. The policeman raised a loud hailer to his mouth and said, Get out of your car now. Get out of the car right now. The woman unlocked the car door and to her surprise was able to open the door with ease. It was not being jammed by the roof, like the door on the other side. She slowly opened the door and stepped out. Get out of the car now. Come straight over to me and whatever you do, do not look back, the policeman said. The woman got out of the car, started walking in the direction of the officer who was talking. Then she stopped. She was super scared, but had some urge to ignore the officer's last instruction. She looked back and saw a huge, ugly hulk of a man, seven foot tall, muscles all over, smashing the roof of the car with the head of her husband. A few weeks later, it was revealed in a newspaper article that the hulk was a man who had violently escaped a mental hospital and lived in the woods nearby and managing to evade capture for two years. It turned out that the building up on the hill, Wallingham Park Hospital, was the mental hospital that the man had escaped from. What a scary story that was for a 14-year-old me. Imagine how I felt when, three years later, I was posted to work at Wallingham Park Hospital. The next story comes from the great Scandinavian country of Denmark. Denmark is one of the most nicest countries I've ever visited. The people there are some of the nicest and happiest in the whole world. I've visited Silkeborg, uh, Bronby, Odense, Aarhus, and of course the wonderful, wonderful capital city of Copenhagen. And again, I strongly recommend that you visit the cities of this great country. One thing that you will notice about Denmark is just how the modern comfortably sits side by side with the old. The new buildings in Copenhagen sit comfortably next to the old castles, palaces and houses of the old city. Anyway, that's enough wish you were here from me. Here's the story sent to me by a friend who wishes to remain anonymous. Firstly, I would like to say that I've always been a very sensitive person. My first encounter with the dead happened when I was a baby. Before I was born, my parents moved into an old house previously owned by an old lady. The old lady had lived there all by herself, and the house was in two stories with a basement as well. The lady unfortunately died by severe blood loss inside the house. As my parents and older brother moved in, there was still police tape around the house. 
The investigators found out that she had fallen down the stairs and had gotten a violent bleeding from every opening in her body. I don't remember if she died by the foot of the stairs or in the upstairs master bedroom. Anyway, I was born and raised in a house. Me and my brother shared a room when I was a kid. We shared the master bedroom and my brother was about two years old when I was born. My parents told me about this after we moved out of the house so I wouldn't scare myself knowing about any uncomfortable events occurring in the house. When I was a couple of years old and had recently learned to talk, my dad carried me to bed. Right before he carried me up the stairs, I started waving hysterically. I waved into a wall and my dad asked who or what was I waving at? The old lady, I happily answered. My father got the chills and carried me up to bed. Whenever I would misbehave, my parents told me about this troll that would tease children if they didn't behave correctly. It seemed as a harmless thing to say, but whenever they told me about the troll, I would tell them that I already knew about him and that we were friends and that he often came into my room. That scared the hell out of my parents, but they probably thought I was just imagining stuff. We had a tiny playhouse in the corner of the garden and something about it freaked me out. I wanted to love it, but it was scary. And I remember dreaming about the troll and that he cut off my dad's head in the playhouse. By that time, I had never seen anything scary on television and I have no idea why I would dream something like that. Later on, as I learned to walk up the stairs, I started to get a creepy feeling whenever I was in the hallway near the foot of the staircase. There was a bathroom next to the stairs and another one up the stairs. Whenever I had to use the bathroom, I always ran as fast as I could to make it through the hallway without meeting anything bad. I always felt like I was being chased. Later on, my brother and I made up a game where we would run as fast as we could up the stairs to avoid getting caught. I'm not sure what we were running away from. When I was almost five years old, my family had house guests visiting. Me and a girl my age named Sarah played upstairs and then suddenly this unexplainable thing happened. We sat on the top of the staircase and we looked at each other. We were not moving and we were both calm and far from the edge. I looked into Sarah's eyes and out of nowhere something pushed us both down the stairs. I remember seeing her rolling down right next to me. I remember how confused I was about it afterwards. We both cried. I couldn't explain it and I was too young to even try. Even before the event with Sarah, I had fallen down the stairs on several occasions. I remember this one time where I was literally threw through the air, because something had pushed me so hard forward. I didn't even trip on a step, I just flew over most of them. A few years later on, I started to get really scared of a closet in the master bedroom. 
Our family switched rooms and I got my old parents' bedroom. Whenever the closet in the master was open, I would feel creeped out. I never said this to anyone because I didn't have any clue what, I, what was scaring me. One New Year's Eve, when I must have been about five or six years old, my parents were hosting a party. A young couple had brought their toddler girl with them. By both ends of the stairs, we now had a baby security fence, and it was just the rule that they would be shut so no one would get hurt. All of a sudden, somebody screamed loud enough to get everybody's attention, and my parents found out that the little girl had fallen all the way down the stairs. No one admitted they had forgotten to close or lock the security fence, and it was just really weird. The little girl wasn't hurt seriously, but it was just strange. Another thing, me being a child, of course, I believed in Santa Claus and whatnot. My parents told me our house had a Christmas pixie or elf living in the attic. It was not physically impossible to be in the attic, but you had to use a ladder to get up there. We didn't use it for storage, it was just old and empty. I kind of believed that we did have a pixie, and we even named him. I felt safe knowing about him, but I needed proof. I remember one evening where I was supposed to be asleep and suddenly heard footsteps coming from the ceiling. Whatever was walking up there was clearly wearing boots, and the footsteps lasted for a while. I felt really happy knowing that our pixie was real. When I told my parents about it, they just nodded and told me, of course he's real. I'm pretty sure they were creeped out. By that time, we had taken in a stray cat. One day, the cat bought her boyfriend with her, and soon after, we had kittens. The boyfriend cat refused to enter the house, even though he was calm around our family. We found it odd, and I remember this one time where he actually went into the house and I closed the door and he literally ran up the wall, panicking, screaming in hideous meows. That was scary. We learned through time that he only wanted to be in the basement and nowhere else in the house. We had to feed him in the basement. My parents got divorced and we had to move out of the house. I was eight years old by then, and it was really sad moving away from the childhood home. I used to have dreams about the house. In the dreams, I would be so happy to be in there again, but I would always get creeped out by the closet, even in my dreams. After my parents told me about the old lady dying in there, I felt really uncomfortable. A part of me wants to visit the house again someday, but another part screams, do not enter that house again. A chilling tale about an old house in Denmark there. And I thank the person who sent that story to me. Thank you very much. I have another story sent to me anonymously again from Denmark. Is this a demon or a ghost? I know this story might sound crazy, but this is the absolute truth that happened, the sender writes. Okay, so ever since that fateful night, I've really been wondering as of to what this being is. It all happened five or six years ago. 
I've always been very sensitive as of to feeling the presence of spirits and sort of being communicating with some to say. I have been having training from a Reiki shaman who taught me several things, but in general, since I met this guy, strange occurrences has been happening. The particular incident happened right after I turned 18 and I moved into this little hole of an apartment in a little town in Denmark. I had moved in there and lived in the building for about five months. The neighbours were absolutely terrible. And to be honest, looking back, it seemed like they were kind of affected by something as well because they were lovely at first and then my Polish friend moved in with me to reduce the bills and such. Nothing paranormal had happened whatsoever apart from the usual spirit energies I've always felt. But since the day he moved in, there had always been an unusual energy about him that I really didn't like. It felt kind of sickening being around him. But he has been my friend for most of my life, and he doesn't believe in the paranormal. So, nothing strange happened or anything until about a week or so after he moved in. He was currently going to school, and had to get up early, therefore he had to go to bed early. So, ten o'clock he went to bed, and I told him I was going to play some of my games at the time for a few more hours. This is the night that without doubt changed both of our lives forever. I was sitting in my chair with my headset on, watching a series on one screen and playing a game on the other. Suddenly I had this, I'm not quite sure how to explain it, but this insane dark aura of dark energy hanging about in the apartment. And I've never ever felt anything like this before. It simply felt like everything in the room was consumed by darkness. And for the first time in my life, I experienced fear out of nowhere. It was this manic feeling of fear, and I got the sudden feeling of running out of the apartment, and I did, twice, leaving my roommate there, sleeping. Definitely not one of my prou proudest moments. When I came back the second time, apart from the feeling of dark cloud hanging about, since nothing was really happening, I somehow managed to calm myself down and started watching some more of my series on TV. About half an hour later, the feeling got so overwhelming I figured I should get to bed and try to rationalise it tomorrow. About three or four in the morning I woke up with this dark figure with no edges. It was like a completely dark flame with red eyes. Again, the same curvy, no edges, fireish shaped eyes standing in front of me. Right when I woke up and looked at whatever it was, it like came bending over super fast and vaporized in my face. I was so freaked out and scared, I got up out of my bed and into the hallway in only my underwear. When I got out there, I sat for like five minutes on the stairs, trying to collect myself. I decided that I had to go to my bedroom, get my clothes on and go home to my parents' house, who lived not far away from me at the time. 
When I returned to my bedroom again, the dark, heavy feeling had completely vanished, so I sat down to get my socks on. And at this point in time, my roommate woke up in a state of shock and panic. His bed was connected to mine since it was a one-room apartment and we couldn't afford anything bigger at the time. And he just looked right into my eyes and said, holy dot dot dot. I seriously thought a dark figure just bent right above me and looked me straight in the face. Then he described the exact same thing I just did, completely panicked. I bursted out in a scared way. No way. Grabbed a few things and I left. I really have thought about this countless times and really haven't ever encountered anything like this before. Nothing has happened to me after that day. Not sure about my friend since he moved out not long after the incident. So I'm really curious if anyone has had any similar things happen to them. Well, I wonder what that could have been. If anyone has anything similar happen to them, please, you know what to do. Please let me know. The cell phone. A couple of months ago, my friend's cousin, a single mother, bought a new cell phone. After a long day of work, she came home, placed her phone on the counter and went to watch TV. Her son came to her and asked if he could play with the phone. She told him not to call anyone or mess with text messages and he agreed. At around 11.20pm she was drowsy so she decided to tuck her son in and go to bed. She walked to his room and saw he wasn't there. She then ran over to her room to find him sleeping on her bed with the phone in his hand. Relieved, she picked up her phone back from his hand to inspect it. Browsing through it, she noticed only minor changes, such as a new background, banner, etc. But then she opened up her saved pictures. She began deleting the pictures he had taken until only one new picture remained. When she first saw it, she was in disbelief. It was a photograph of her son sleeping on her bed. But the picture was taken by someone else above him and it showed the left half of an elderly woman's face. The following. My older sister has a ghost that's followed her around for years. I lived with her once for about three months, and so much weird stuff happened in that time. All my sister would say to me when I mentioned it was that her ghost didn't like me being there. Things like going to bed, with everything locked up and switched off and waking up in the morning with the back door opened, lights on and the kettle switched on. One night my sister and I were getting ready to go out and I asked to borrow her liquid foundation. I used to put it back where she kept her makeup. Ten minutes later she's asking me for it and it's nowhere to be seen. She accused me of taking it and made me buy her a new one and refused to listen to my side of the story. About a year or so later, when she was packing to move to a new house, she found the makeup in a shoebox with some old letters. The shoebox was in a zipped up suitcase that was underneath her bed. But probably the most scared I ever felt 
was one afternoon when I was the only person in the house, which never happened as four other people lived there. I'd arrived home from work and headed straight to the bathroom. All the doors, windows, etc. were closed. I was standing in the bathroom and started squeezing a pimple on my chin when a female voice in the hall said, Stop picking your zits. It was loud enough and sounded real enough at the time and I thought it was my sister. So I told her to go away, or words to that effect, and asked what she was doing for dinner. No answer. I stuck my head out into the hallway. No one there. I searched the house top to bottom. No one was home. I sat out in the front porch until someone else got home because I didn't want to be in that house alone. I don't blame you. I think that would have freaked me out too. The next story comes from Canada. The sender states that it is not her story, but that of a friend. Her cousin lived in an old house in Newmarket, Ontario. The layout of the house had a kitchen on the first level, a second level with some bedrooms, and a third level with the nursery and master bedroom. One day, her cousin was in the kitchen washing some dishes while the baby slept upstairs. Suddenly, she heard the baby crying over the baby monitor. She dried her hands, climbed two flights of stairs to the nursery, and as she got closer, she couldn't hear the baby cries anymore. When she entered the room, the baby was sound asleep still, with nothing in the room disturbed. The cousin went back downstairs and checked the baby monitor was on the right setting, and once she determined it was fine, she went back to the dishes. As soon as she turned on the tap, the wailing began again on the baby monitor. She slowly began her way up the stairs and once more found that the sound of crying stopped the closer she got, and that once she entered the room, the baby was still fast asleep. She was starting to feel uneasy about the whole situation as she went back to the kitchen. Once more she attempted to start on the dishes when the crying began for a third time. She went back upstairs but this time she went quickly, that feeling of unease growing within her. As she reached the third floor landing she turned around the banister so the nursery was in sight. She saw the door slam shut. Suddenly her baby was crying for real this time horrific sounding wails and shrieks. She ran to the door and tried to get it open, but it appeared to be locked even though there was no lock on the door. She slammed her shoulder into the door trying to get it open, desperately calling out her infant's name. She backed away from the door with the intent to kick it, but before she could raise her foot, the door slowly creaked open on its own. She burst into the room and the baby was in the corner of his crib crying at the light fixture on the ceiling was spinning in circles. She grabbed her baby and ran downstairs and stayed there until her husband got home. What makes this story more disturbing to me is that ever since that day her baby sleeps with its eyes open. When she took him to the doctor to find out why, the doctor suggested that some children develop this as a defence mechanism after experiencing a traumatic incident. 
It leaves you wondering what happened in that room. Well, it definitely does leave me wondering what happened in that room. That sounds really scary. I'd like to thank everybody who sent me these stories. You may have heard some of them before. I hope you haven't heard many of them before. And I hope you were suitably spooked out. I also hope that you have a great Halloween and are really scared by it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all for this episode. The next episode should be out in a couple of weeks' time. Please do keep in touch on Twitter. The handle is at you and OPS. And search for UFOs and other paranormal stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And please do keep sending me those stories to UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next time, happy Halloween.